Good morning and welcome to AC23, the podcast of the Arts Council of Greater Baton Rouge, where our mission is to foster the creative capacity and vibrancy of the capital region through advocacy, resources, and education. Joining me this morning is Lafayette filmmaker Brennan Robidoux, whose film Born to Fly is being screened at Manship Theater this coming Thursday, January the 25th. Thanks for joining us, Brennan. Thanks for having me. I'm honored. So tell us a little bit about you. Like, where did you grow up and, and all that good stuff? Well, I was born and raised in Lafayette, Louisiana. Um, still live here now. Uh, as a kid, I pretty much always wanted to be a filmmaker. I was kind of the, the artsy one of the family. My brothers were really athletic, and I was into the, to the arts. But I kind of kept pursuing that as a, as a kid, and it's really all I've ever known, ever known how to do, and ever done since. I started, you know, operating cameras and stuff and messing with it at home and then started getting jobs in high school kind of, you know, with that same field and never really stopped doing it. It's just been my passion and my love forever. Okay. Did you like watching movies and stuff when you were growing up? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I was a movie movie guy and <laughs> and uh, I just like to, I like to be hands-on, you know, I liked messing with the camera and being behind it and that sort of thing okay did you go did you get a college degree or anything towards this or are you are you just a self-made man here yeah i mean i'm a, I'm a college dropout technically <laughs> um which my mom loves to hear i'm sure we have a we have a joke in the family she says i'm still on permanent deferral from from college <laughs> but uh yeah you know film is just a, it's an interesting kind of business and i think when it was time for me to like have to make that decision it was pretty clear that there was enough avenues, you know, to, to, to be self-taught as well as start working. I mean, I tell people that filmmaking at its core is a trade job, you know, like a plumber, honestly. And, and you really can only learn on the job. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of stuff in theories you can learn in the classroom. But at the end of the day, you really do have to just like get out there and do it. So. Um, there was a you know good amount of opportunities at that time in Louisiana, so it just made sense for me to start going forward. Yeah, it's it's definitely uh, something you you learn by doing, not not just reading about it. So, um, did you ever want to be in front of the camera? Or are you 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 happy being a behind the scenes guy? You know, it's funny you ask that. I saw that question and I thought immediately, no, of course not. And then I remembered that. I mean, in high school, I actually was on our speech and debate team. I ended up being a state champion in the duo performance with a, an incredible actress. And, but no, I think aside from enjoying, you know, speech and debate, and I do like public speaking sometimes. Um, no, I certainly never was really interested in acting. Um, so and, and in film, um, I just, I've always wanted to be the director. Whenever I dreamed about it as a kid, I never thought, you know, anything in front, it was always the director role. Okay, so you like being the storyteller. Indeed. Okay, so tell me a little bit about Born to Fly. How, how did that come about? What is, what is the, the scoop on that? Yeah, I mean, it's been, a, it's been a long time coming, so it's pretty exciting that it's finally being released and that certainly people in the home state are able to watch it. I know a lot of people have wanted to see it for a long time, so that's very satisfying for me. But it started back in 2017 when a little, a young kid named Mondo Duplantis from Lafayette, Louisiana, was doing some pretty incredible stuff in this eclectic sport of pole vaulting, which I knew basically nothing about. But I had always heard in our town 
the Duplantis family is a very athletic family, um, a very interesting family. And there was that lore surrounding them of like the father who was once an amazing pole vaulter, the mother who came from Sweden and was also an amazing athlete. The fact that they had a pole vault pit in their backyard, you knew these kind of things. That was like the musings around at least the, the group of people that I knew. Um, and of course the brothers had played little league baseball. And so their name was out there, but I certainly didn't know much about the sport or really them. But, uh, I saw an article in the paper when he was 17, he had broken some, you know, junior world record. Yeah. And I just thought this is really interesting. It was interesting for two parts mainly to me, which was that a, I love a prodigy story and it really did seem like, man, what I'm seeing here is that he's doing this at ages that shouldn't be that shouldn't be possible. And then B was to excel at something and be so in love with something that's as unique and kind of weird as pole vault that not many people know about, but that he is totally immersed in. That was what was really interesting. And so it kind of just started from there. I reached out to the family, pitched them. I don't even know. <laughs> Cause I didn't really know what I was doing at that point. I thought, let me just film something. I'll come over to practice at Lafayette high and I'll just start documenting this and we'll just see what happens. And it, you know, just grew from there. So, I mean, I can imagine, you know, Lafayette's a pretty good sized city, but still it's kind of got that small town vibe to it that there's somebody in your hometown that's doing this has got to be kind of mind blowing. If you stop and think about it, I mean, if you've got a, a baseball, when you play baseball in the backyard or throw the football in the yard, that's pretty common down here. But pole vaulting definitely is not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's exactly what drew me to it. I mean, if he, was a, if he was a baseball player, you know, if he was a pitcher at 17 and was as good as he was at pole vaulting, he'd be, you know, one of the most famous people in the nation. Everyone would know who he was. They'd say, like, this kid is going to be the next, you know, all-star pitcher. But the fact that he was that good at this really eclectic sport uh, and that most people in town, they'd be like, oh, yeah, I've heard of that. But they knew absolutely nothing about it. I mean, when I started filming, my family, friends, they mistook pole vault for the high jump for like the first two and a half years of filming. <laughs> you know, there was just something magical about a kid being that good at something that no one knew that much about. Yeah, I can. That's it's, it's a fascinating. I mean, the only time you think about pole vaulting is during the Olympics. You know, that's basically right. the only time anybody probably pays much attention to it. So, um, what was Mondo like? So, tell us a little bit about him. Well, I mean, the simplest way to put it is that he is a prodigy. And like prodigies, you can imagine that they are very focused on the thing that they want to do. And at the time, in the beginning of this journey, he was this kid with the most amount of passion and soul focus that I've ever seen in my life. He wanted to be the best in the world. He wanted to win the Olympics. And that was pretty much the only thing that he, that he wanted and that he did, you know, he lived and breathed pole vaulting and kind of everything was in connection to achieving that goal. And it was just remarkable. He's a very intense guy. He was playful and he enjoyed, you know, the office and we shared a sense of humor and, and that sort of thing. But at the end of the day, it's like that was what he wanted to be. And, and there was nothing that was going to stop him. And it just, uh, it was Im impressive and amazing, frankly, to, to see that every day. Okay, so you, you mentioned that it took seven years, right, to make, them, make the film? Yeah, we're just at about seven years, yeah. So you started when he was 17, 
And kind of after Lafayette High, where did you go with this process? Yeah, so it was like the first, excuse me, the first two years were filming him in high school. And then from there, it was a bit of a debate. And especially at that time, you know, before this NIL thing, it was a debate on whether he was going to go straight to be a professional because he was good enough to be a professional. Mm -hmm. And just kind of they have basically the equivalent, you know, the track and field world has the equivalent of like the PGA Tour where, you know, you do these competitions These are called the diamond league competitions and various other type smaller things. But, you know, the pros throughout the year, they're doing these meets basically in preparation for either the world championships or the Olympics. Um, those are, you know, the two main events. And so it was this kind of topic of, well, do I go pro or not? Because he can make money. And of course at that time there was no NIL. So it was either if he, you know, he was good enough to go pro, he can make money, but then he would have to forfeit, you know, any type of, of, uh, you know, uh, a, a schooling and or competition in college. Whereas his parents were, were pretty adamant that it was still needed uh, at least a year for him to kind of grow uh, both as a person, mature physically and mentally. And so that they were recommending LSU. And, and ultimately that was the, the decision that he made and that he was very happy with. Um, and so I just kept filming. And then, and then a year after that, he, he did become a professional and that was you know the 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 last two years of filming was him as a as a professional and then going on to the olympics okay so can without will it spoil the end of your movie if you say whether or not he won the olympics well it's public information so i'm going to go ahead and say it's it's okay okay, you know Uh, i think the beauty of the film is that it's a bit in the journey more so than it is this like surprise ending you know i think people know that that ultimately you know he did become the olympic champion he won the gold medal and and proceeded to actually before that and continuously has broken the world record many times over and uh, and is well known now as, as the greatest pole vaulter in, in history and will continue to be so likely for the next foreseeable decade wow. um, and will and will kind of have dominance over this sport for for a long time so it is it is pretty incredible and i guess that the film really became almost this coming of age story as as well as this journey of an athlete becoming the greatest but you know he was 17 years old and the film finishes after the olympics and you know he's in his 20s and there's a lot of difference between a 17 year old and a, and a 21 22 year old yes there is and you, and, you, and so you get to see a lot of that growth in the film which i think is it's quite beautiful frankly so having been a journalist and chronicled some people from a project through the whole thing, how rewarding, how did that, this experience, what did it mean to you to be able to, to showcase this young man and, and his growth and what he accomplished? Yeah, it's a bit too because in one way, it's like I fell in love with the sport and then I fell in love with Mondo and his journey and his story and wanting to, both as a friend, but also as a filmmaker, wanting him to succeed. You know, and I think um, falling in love with the sport, I, I realized along the way that, man, no one knows about this thing. It's incredible. These people are incredible. And it's like, I want to trick people into watching a film about pole vaulting. You know, I want yeah. people that have no interest in pole vaulting to still be able to watch this and come away saying, that was really cool. I really enjoyed that, you know, both for the the, the human aspect of it and also starting to, to build intrigue for the sport itself. 
And then for Mondo's side, yeah, I, I, mean, I don't even know how to describe it. How would you describe it? it where you, the, the, the kid you've been following yeah. becomes the greatest in history at something <laughs> and wins the Olympics. And it's just, uh, it's so monumental and huge that I i don't yet really have words. I don't really have a, a good way of explaining it other than imagine how I'd feel for you. That's probably about how I feel. So I'm sure the two of you created a, a bond unlike he has with anybody else. And, and yeah, you know, especially in the beginning, it's like his brothers were both in college at that time. They had just like left, or, or his middle brother had just, you know, left. His older brother had been gone for a bit, and so there was kind of this void. And, and I'm the age of of one of his old, or right in between his older brothers, actually. And okay. So there was a bit of that like bonding for sure. Um, as a documentary filmmaker, you're trying, you know, you you remain a bit of an outside party and an objective, but we definitely became friends, and uh, that was really cool. To, yeah. to be able to connect with someone on a, especially someone like him who is such an intense person and solely focused, it was nice to be able to connect on those human levels. Yeah. So what's what's next for you? What what what's on your agenda now that you've got this one complete? Well, we got to get this one sold in, in America. We've had great success overseas, and it's it's available in a couple of different platforms in, in the European and market, and I think in Japan and a couple other spots. So we're taking it, you know, basically region by region, and uh, it's having great success. We're going to get to you know an American sale hopefully soon, and certainly before the Olympics. So that'll be a great, you know, a great mark for me to cross, mm-hmm. great barrier, and then. As of now, yeah, I'm working on, I'm very passionate about Louisiana stories. I kind of had that debate a while back of whether I stay in Louisiana or or I, you know, seek other opportunities in New York or Los Angeles, but Louisiana is ripe with stories. The South is is. ripe with stories. And um, I think if I can kind of leverage this, this um, new, I think, skill set in a way that I have, I mean, taking on a feature is such a monumental task. So I do believe that getting that one under my belt is quite the notch, but also um, it's, you know, just having that experience. It's, I'm more trustworthy and then that sort of thing. And so if I can remain in Louisiana, but convince the bigger entities to trust the Louisiana director, that's kind of been the whole goal of the Louisiana film industry is being able to, to, to build up a core of not just the you know the camera assistants which I was and the, the the operators which are critical and the grips and all those people that are critical but also to develop the the writers the directors you know that sort of thing and 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 not have them just leave when uh, success finally does come and actually continuing to make films here so I'll be making some some more Louisiana documentaries okay. uh, that that'll be my my goal so maybe hopefully this will be your sex lies and videotape and you can become the next. <laughs> Soderbergh, yeah, there you go, exactly. (laughs) Steven Soderbergh, that's it. So, um, you mentioned the the movie doing well in in Europe and Japan. So, did you get to do a lot of traveling in this process? Oh, gosh, sure. Yeah, I think I went to nine countries or something. Um, And, I mean, then now since since it's premiered, I've been to others just for for that premieres and and, and film festivals and whatnot. But... um, Sure. I mean, the, the thing is that most of track and field happens in Europe. It, it's a bit, you know, you mentioned early that people in America don't necessarily pay attention to track and field until the Olympics. That is actually part of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, Mondo obviously competes for Sweden. He's half Swedish. And so that decision was a big part of the film and, and a big part of his life. Uh, having to choose a country when you compete on the big world stage, you do have to choose. And, and, um, 
it was a bit controversial here, but for him, it would, it, I don't think it ever, well, you know, it was even a second thought. His mother's Swedish. He's half Swedish. And frankly, there's just so much opportunity in Europe when it comes to this sport. It's one of the main sports. Wow. It's one of the big three, you know, just like basketball, football, baseball here. It's, it's one of the big ones. And so if you're a track star there, it's a lot easier and, and better, I think, uh, for you financially and also just for your career and having access to venues and that sort of stuff. And so most of the competitions happen in Europe. So throughout filming, I was in Europe a lot, uh, multiple years, pretty much every summer and winter for indoor season and outdoor. I'd fly out there, sleep on Mondo's hotel room floor <laughs> for a long time. Uh, and then uh, just try and get what I can. Okay. So when you're not making films, what do you like to do? What's something that you that, that something else maybe you're kind of passionate about? It's so funny. I think the more I'm something like Mondo apparently because I, I this is what I like to do, and it's like when I'm not making films, I'm making something another film or you know some other passion project. Um, I started playing pickleball with my mom. I do enjoy that, okay. but I mean I'm I'm either watching movies or making movies. That's the majority of the things I do. Okay, uh, for sure. So, what's your favorite movie? Oh, geez, <laughs> I can't. I can't answer that. You know, I can't answer it. There's, uh, it's there's just such a range. It's like you know, you have your classics, then you have your movies from the '70s, which I think there's so many that uh, they kind of almost get like their own category. Then you have the, the modern day films. I'd say like 2000 to now. So I can't. I can't. I can't narrow it down to one. Do you have a favorite director that's kind of inspired you or? Mm. you've learned from? Well, I'd say that I make films not like this director at all, but obviously Tarantino is, is just such an enjoyable director to watch. But I don't really, t I think what I take from him more is just his, his love of film itself because he has so many homages to, to other filmmakers. I mean, there's Akira Kurosawa, Akira Kurosawa. Um, I would say that's probably up there. Modern directors. Jeez. Jeff Nichols is really amazing. You know, I think a lot of his films are just like very solid films that don't necessarily break huge into the mainstream, but I, he's really made some excellent, excellent films. Um, yeah, there's quite a few. Okay. Well, Brendan, thanks so much for joining us. And I'm going to remind everybody that Born to Fly is going to be uh, showing at Manship Theater on Thursday, January the 25th. And where else? Is it on like YouTube or anything like that? That people can watch no, so it I mean, now. right now, I mean, if you want to see it in the States, you need to get a ticket to the Manship Theater okay, because so. that is your only opportunity uh, to see it currently in the United States. Okay. We will hopefully have a couple more film festival appearances down the road, but like this is a great opportunity to be able to see it in a theater. Um, so, yeah, that, this is the shot. This is it. Okay. Well, Brendan, thanks so much, and we wish you the very best of luck. And we thank you for listening in this morning on AC23. Be sure and circle your calendar for a special Valentine's Champagne and Swing edition of the Alvin Batiste Jazz Society on Valentine's night. So we'll catch you next Sunday. We thank you for joining us this morning for AC23. You can catch replays on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Support for this programming comes from Shell, our generous donors, and members. To help us continue programming like this, please consider joining the Arts Council or becoming a donor. Information can be found on our website, artsbr.org. That's A-R-T-S-B-R.org. 